Tonight our lesson is on the subject of health. And uh, John Lowe McCain went out on the streets in Manhattan to get a feel for what the New Yorkers think about what they might do to uh, live longer, feel better, what practice changes they might make in their lives to increase and maximize their health. Let's find out what went on. What a metropolis. What a city. Millions of people with millions of opinions. Hi, we're here on the streets of New York City. We're going to have some fun today finding out from the people of this city what they think about health. And if you know anything about New Yorkers, they have opinions. What are some health practices you can change to feel better and live longer? Well, I think the first thing, anyone who's smoking should stop smoking. Try to keep away from the fats, eat a lot of fruits and vegetables, and just maintain a healthy type of lifestyle. If American people today could have like a, a balanced three-course meal every day, which includes a healthy breakfast, you know, a light lunch, and something to top it off at dinner time, then I think this could really help because many people miss breakfast and then they try to make up for it at lunchtime, which really screws up the whole, you know, digestive system. So this is kind of one of the things that people should do. Eating habits, exercise. Not smoking or smoking less, cutting down on cigarettes, eating less meat, eating sort of lower fat foods, less in cholesterol. Mainly, I wouldn't say any major restrictions, actually. Um, just, again, live life to its fullest. Take in, you know, whether it be alcohol or carbohydrates moderately, and walk. Make sure you get some type of exercise once a week. Just do a, a lot of exercise, less smoking, and uh, just uh, eat vegetables and fruit and stuff like that. I need to eat healthier food, and I need to exercise more and smile more. Sir, we'd like to ask you a question today about health. What are some changes you think you could make to have a healthier life? Well, probably the most important change you can make, my mother says you shouldn't drink water because the fish swim in the water. Mountain Dew, that's what I drink. That's why I'm so healthy. There's some really fishy people out there on the streets in New York. Well, with that, we'll go to our amazing fact. We all have a miraculous electrochemical computer between our ears called the brain. It is the most important of your organs. It's very unique for a number of reasons. For one thing, one amazing fact is all of the nerves, every nerve in your body finds its termination in the brain, and yet the brain has no nerves. That's right, you could perform surgery on a person's brain while they're awake and they don't feel it. It requires the majority of the oxygen from the blood in your body, and yet it never moves. It utilizes this to manage the thoughts. The brain is still, it remains a mystery even for the surgeons. They understand something about different parts because when you injure it, certain behaviors are altered. But they do not know how thoughts are held, how they're retained, if they're tangible. And then the way that the brain heals and networks itself and the thoughts is a mystery. I understand that even with the micro-technology of computers that we have today, to build a computer that would achieve the same results as one human brain, it would require a building about the size of the Empire State Building to house it, the water of Niagara Falls to power it, and the water of Niagara Falls as well to cool it. One human brain. Are you aware of what's going on in your mind all the time 
even just while I'm talking. You have nerve endings on the end of every hair in your body that are giving information and your, your sense of smell and it's controlling your heart rate and your breathing rhythm and your metabolism and your digestion and your equilibrium and your, your vision and your eyes are constantly focusing and all these things are being done in concert. It's a tremendous, miraculous thing. And anyone who believes that the brain evolves slowly over millions of years, to me, that's ludicrous. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, as we get into the study of health, you'll understand why it's important to appreciate keeping your brain in good operating uh, management. Our lesson is dealing with ten times wiser. Did you do your lessons? I hope you filled them out. And I want to encourage you and those of you who are watching at home, call out the answers with us as we study. Our story comes from the Old Testament and again from the book of Daniel. King Nebuchadnezzar, just before he sacked Jerusalem and burnt the temple, he carried away to Babylon some people who would serve in the palace. Among the captives that were brought to Babylon were four young men that showed promise of being counselors. And they were going to train for three years to study to be wise men and counselors, to stand before Nebuchadnezzar, to learn the sciences and the math and the language of the Babylonians. And the king promised to feed them from the royal cafeteria. But there was a problem. There were some things that were on the menu in the Babylonian cafeteria that these Hebrew young men were forbidden to eat. And Daniel approached the chief of the eunuchs, whose name was Ashpenaz, and he had purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat. Now you'd think that they would be grateful to be in the palace. A lot of the captives did not fare so well. They should just say a prayer and ask God to bless it. Daniel said, no, it's unclean, it's forbidden, and I will not defile myself with this unclean food. He made a proposal to the prince of the eunuchs. He said, prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. There was to be a ten-day period where they would eat vegetables and drink water. He finally consented to that. He said, boy, if this doesn't work, I'm going to lose my head because I'm supposed to take care of you boys and make sure you're healthy. And he says, give us 10 days. Let us eat vegetables. It was like a vegetable stew, lentils, and water to drink. And you see how we look. See if we're not healthier than the ones who eat the exotic food from the Babylonian cafeteria. The Bible tells us at the end of 10 days, their countenances appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. Nebuchadnezzar himself examined those young men. Not only were they 10 times wiser after a 10-day test, but the Bible goes on to say that Daniel lived until the reign of King Cyrus. He lived to be approximately 100 years of age. Isn't it interesting that this great person in the Bible called Daniel, who's renowned for his wisdom, even in the Bible, for his dedication to God, for his holiness, his book begins by saying he made a decision in his youth not to defile himself with unclean food. And God blessed him for that resolve. He was wiser and he lived longer and he had God speaking to him and through him as a result of that commitment. Now, it's important for us to understand what the Bible says about these principles of health. Let's go right to our lesson. Question number one. What was the original diet that God designed for humans? Answer, you find in Genesis chapter 1 verse 29. God said, behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed to you 
it shall be for meat. And of course, that word meat there, like the meat of a nut, it means it shall be your food. It shall be your provision. The original diet for man was not only a vegetarian diet, it was fruits, grains, and nuts. Then after, question number two, after Adam and Eve sinned, what supplemental food did God add to their diets? You remember after they were expelled from the Garden of Eden, they could no longer eat from the tree of life. God said, now you shall eat the herb of the field. The herb of the field being vegetables were added to man's diet. You know what the difference is between fruits and vegetables? Let me give you a quiz. Fruit or vegetable? Tomato. Fruit. Zucchini. Fruit. Zucchini is a fruit. Potato. Vegetable. Brussels sprouts. Unedible. No. It's vegetable. Here's a simple rule. The fruit is the product of the blossom when it pollinates. Tomatoes are fruits. Avocados, fruits. The vegetable is any part of the plant other than the fruit. The leaf, the stalk like celery, leaves like spinach, the flowers like broccoli or cauliflower are vegetables. The root or the, the, the tubes, the bulbs like potatoes, carrots are all vegetables. God perhaps knew that when man could no longer eat from the tree of life, he needed some additional enzymes or something that were missing from his diet, and he also added vegetables. And I know there's a lot of kids out there that were sorry that God added vegetables to the diet, right? <laughs> Question number three. Is God concerned with our physical health? This is the real question we need to address in this study. Answer, yes, of course he is. Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Furthermore, it tells us in the Bible in 3 John, verse 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that you might prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Now, wait a second here. The Lord is telling us that he wants us to prosper physically, even as we prosper spiritually? You know, we sometimes misunderstand the strong connection between the mind and the soul. Let me tell you why this lesson is so very crucial, and it's included in a prophecy seminar. God communicates with you through your brain. You could lose your toes and your fingers and your arms and your legs and still be saved. Some of you maybe have heard about that remarkable woman, Johnny Erickson Tata and her ministry, paralyzed in a diving accident at 16 from the neck down, thought her life was over, tried to get her friends to kill her. They refused. She eventually was converted, became a Christian. She now travels the world. She's been with Billy Graham many times in his campaigns. She can write songs. She sings. She paints with a brush between her teeth. She writes books. She's had a very productive life, and it's all from here up. She even drives a car. This is the most sacred part of who you are. Between your ears. Now, having said that, God knows how important it is for you to have a clear mind to comprehend what the Spirit is saying to you. The devil knows that if he can cloud and befuddle our sensibilities with drugs and bad living habits so that our brains are slow and lethargic and congested, then we do not have the mental resolve to not only comprehend spiritual truth, but we don't have the fortitude to resist temptation. That's why when people are drinking alcohol or under the influence of drugs, they have much less resistance to temptation and their judgment is impaired. 
The Lord wants you to have good judgment and health cannot be separated from that. Some people think once you accept Jesus and you say you love the Lord, that you can abuse your body and abuse your mind and it will not have an effect on your soul. That is a lie. It's a doctrine of devils that what you eat and what you drink has no effect on your spiritual sensibilities. You cannot separate the two. And as we go on, you'll see how much the Bible has to say about that. Furthermore, John 10.10. 10, I am come that they might have life, Jesus said, and that they might have it more abundantly. Another reason for having clear minds is not only so that we will be able to hear the Holy Spirit better and resist the devil better, but it's so that we can live longer, have more productive lives. You'll not only be wiser like Daniel, you'll live longer as Daniel did. And that man, I understand, is 80 years old, skiing barefoot. And obviously he's not using dentures or they'd fly out of his mouth all across the lake. So he's in pretty good shape. So it is possible to have a longer life and a healthier life. You know, we had the New York Marathon today. What was it? 30,000 runners running around New York City, hoping the traffic has been blocked off the streets didn't influence any of you um, in your attempt to get here. But I can guarantee you those runners were not out partying last night. Matter of fact, more and more of these professional athletes are adopting very stringent health habits. Many of them, like Carl Lewis, I understand the Vander Holyfield is a vegetarian. Carl Lewis and a number of the Olympic athletes because they're finding out their performance is enhanced, is increased when they follow these principles that God has had in his word for thousands of years. Jesus wants us to have abundant life. Yet uh, in America, it's not necessarily true in other parts of the world, because people get so little exercise, we have such sedentary lives, we spend our times hailing a cab, pressing an elevator button, dialing a phone, using a computer mouse, turning on the cruise control, finding the remote control is the most exercise people get today in, in North America. And then we eat these diets. We have an abundance of high fat, rich foods. And you may have heard these reports that just came out a couple of weeks ago. It was on CNN that the physicians are concerned with the epidemic of obesity in North America. Over 50% of the people are over their optimum weight. And many are obese. And you cannot be healthy unless you understand these principles of eating right and exercising and so forth. Number four, God promised the children of Israel that if they would serve and obey him, he would remove all sickness from them. Did God keep his promise? Yeah, he did. You remember, they went through the wilderness for 40 years. And the Bible tells us some of them died from disobedience when they were plagued or cursed by the Lord. But when they obeyed the laws God had given them, they ate the manna from heaven, they drank the water from that miracle rock, they walked around getting lots of oxygen and sunshine there in the desert and exercise. And the Bible tells us that when Moses led them into the promised land, he brought them forth, there was not one feeble person among their tribes. I want to hear you say that again. There was not one feeble person among their tribes. How many of them were there? In the neighborhood of three million. Can you imagine a nation of three million people and you do not even have a first aid tent? Nobody's sick. Nobody's in a nursing home. If we live the way God designed that we should live, not only would we live longer, we'd die better. Now, I am not among those. There are some health fanatics who believe that if you do everything right, you know, there are people out there believe in righteousness by garlic. You've met those folks, you know. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with garlic, but I know some people, they eat 
whole lot of it uh, before church, and then they end up sitting in their own pew every week. <laughs> in more ways than one. <laughs> I'm not of that group that believes that if you follow all these health principles, you're never going to get sick, never going to die. No, you're eventually going to die because our bodies are affected by sin. Even Moses died, but how did it happen? God said, Moses, you're 120, time to die. Climb that mountain and die. And the Bible says his natural force was not abated and his eyes had not dimmed. You know, I have a, a number of friends who are saints that have followed these biblical health practices. They typically live into their 90s and they either die in their sleep or they fall over in their garden. And I don't mean to be crass, but if I'm going to go, that's the way to go, right? So many people, they have these long, extended, languishing illnesses. And I'm not saying if you follow all the health practices, you're never going to get sick. But you increase your odds of living longer and enjoying your life longer for an extended period of time. Number five. Why is our health so important to God? Why is it important to Him? Why does it matter? 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Furthermore, Romans 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice. What kind? Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. He not only wants your spirit and your mind, he wants your body, a holy body, to be presented to him. Now, your body is a temple, and your body is to be a holy temple. And the Bible tells us that it's dangerous to defile the temple of God. There are things you can do that will defile that temple. That will bring a curse upon you. The curse comes as the natural result of doing bad things. Uh, plus, of course, you're abusing someone else's property. You realize you're not your own. That body that you've got, you can't make another one if you wreck this one. It's a gift from God. How many of you would like to get a new body someday when Jesus comes? I want a new one. And uh, I'm going to trade this one in on a newer model. You are to give an account to God, not only for what you do with your means and your time, but your body. And suppose for a second, just to illustrate my point here. If I had an automobile and you said, Doug, I'd like to take a quick trip to Mexico. Mexico can I borrow your pickup truck? I said, OK, you're a friend. I lend you my pickup truck. And you take off for three weeks and you just go bebopping all over. You go off road riding in my pickup truck. And uh, then you come back after three weeks, and as you pull into my driveway, I can hear you coming up the street. The engine is missing. It's backfiring. Smoke is billowing out from under the hood, and water's dripping out from under the engine, and, and oil is uh, spewing. You're leaving a trail of oil, and one door has fallen off. Windshield's broken. The tires are flat, driving on the rims, and sparks are flying out from under the vehicle. You got the picture? And you pull up to me and you hop out and you say, wow, what a vacation. Hey, I really appreciate you lending the truck, Doug. I'm going again next year. Can I borrow it again? Am I going to lend you my truck? No. You're not coming near my truck again. That body that you have belongs to God. You've been bought with a price. How many of you want to get that glorified body that will live forever? If you total and abuse and wreck deliberately the one he's giving you, he can't trust you with an immortal body if you're not going to take care of the temporary model that he's given you. Amen? So we are to give an account to God for what we do with these vessels that he's given us. Granted, these bodies do not last forever. But we're to take care of them the time that we have them. Amen? Question number six. What is a good Bible rule for healthful living? 
1 Corinthians 10.31 Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Now, does it stand to reason to you that if it's possible to eat and drink to God's glory, it must also be possible to not eat and drink to God's glory? To dishonor God by the way we eat and drink. You read in Ecclesiastes where there's a blessing pronounced on the land where they've got a ruler who eats in due season for strength and not for drunkenness. You know, in our society, most people live to eat instead of eating to live. It's, uh, you know, uh, and God, you know, every gift of God, we are in danger of abusing. God created sex. Contrary to what some people think, the devil did not invent sex. It's God's plan. But every gift of God within the confines of a marriage, it's intended to be a pleasant blessing. But the devil abuses every gift that God creates. God gave you taste buds. He wants you to enjoy your food. Wouldn't it be awful if you have to eat if it was a painful experience every time you ate? I know some folks, as they get older, they lose their sense of smell and taste. And as one gentleman says, I can't tell what I'm eating, but I know I've got to do it. I feel sorry for him. Because it's a blessing, we have to guard against abusing it. And we are to eat for strength, not for gluttony and drunkenness. Jesus said there will be many people lost when he comes because they're preoccupied with eating and drinking and the cares of this life. So that day overtakes them as a thief. What you do not control will ultimately control you, friends. A Christian should have control over the desires and passions of the body. That's not only talking about sexual passion. It's talking about the appetites. You know why the world is in trouble today? Is because our first parents ate the wrong thing. So those of you who are out there saying, Doug, you're being legalistic, telling us that it makes a difference what we eat. It doesn't matter what we eat. Oh, yes, it does. The reason there's sin in the world today is because God says, don't eat it, and they ate it. Amen? And we need to learn to get a grip on what we eat and what we drink. Because a lot of us, we're killing ourselves one step at a time by what we eat and what we drink. Plus, some of us aren't very happy with our health. We're not enjoying ourselves because we don't feel good. Some of us don't like our appearance. Was that moment on the lips forever on the hips? You heard that? Number seven. Should Christians use alcoholic beverages? No. Simple answer, but let's go to the scripture. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whoever is deceived thereby is not wise. You know, friends, I get very uh, agitated over this issue because... We are so drug conscious in our society. We think about the drug abuse and the kids who are getting messed up on crack, cocaine, and LSD. You've heard my testimony. And I've used virtually every drug. There's some new drugs. They didn't have crack when I was a kid. But I've used ups and downs in cocaine. And I used almost everything but heroin, LSD, and Valiums, and Quaaludes, and Phenobarbital, and pot, and hash. And is that enough? I'm just letting you know. I've been there, done that. Of all the drugs that I used... Alcohol caused me more problems than any of them. More of my friends are dead now from alcohol than all of the other drugs. I'm not condoning the others, but I, the reason I say this is it's a legal drug and it is the most addictive substance in North America. And because those who are in the halls of justice writing the laws all drink, they refuse to touch that. And I'm not suggesting prohibition again, but we need to understand Christians should not drink at all. The Bible says Noah drank and ran around naked. 
Lot drank and slept with his daughters. It impairs your judgment. All you have to do is look at the statistics and know that over half the people who die every day on the highway are either drinking or struck by someone who is drinking. Over half the people who are in the hospital are there because of injuries or illness connected with alcohol. Over half the people who are in prison are there as a result of crimes committed while under the influence of alcohol. More than half of all the abuse of women and children, alcohol is involved. More than half the people in mental institutions are there because of injuries or illness or birth defects connected with alcohol. And so friends, how much should a Christian support that? Zero. People go digging for scriptures and they try and twist the Bible to say that Jesus turned the water into wine and that means it's okay to drink. Friends, if the Bible was silent on the subject, the evidence ought to be clear enough to a Christian that you cannot endorse or support the drinking of alcohol. You heard me say one out of seven people that drinks becomes an alcoholic. Would you keep a dog that bit one out of seven people? I don't think so, friends. If your car wrecked every seventh time you drove it, you'd get a new car, right? And so Christians should not support that even in the least. Now, not only should we be careful when it comes to drinking alcoholic beverages, there's a lot of other things people drink that are not very good for your health. Uh, more and more people in America are becoming addicted to a whole spectrum of products that are filled with caffeine. And keep in mind, it's very simple. And soda pop. Anything you become addicted to is not good for you. Have you ever seen a person and you go, what's the matter? I haven't any Brussels sprouts all day. <laughs> Do people go through withdrawal because they haven't had a banana in 24 hours? No. The things that are good for you, you don't get addicted to. But you know, I know some people, your body needs water, regular uh, bounty of water every day. I know some people never drink water. They drink soda pop and tea and cola. I've got a friend that uh, her husband worked for the Coca-Cola company. And because she got it free, she drank oh, a liter or two of Coke every day. Had her gallbladder removed when she was 24 years old and a whole spectrum of other health problems. Um, We've got to learn how to drink a, an abundance of fresh, clean, invigorating water. You know, I'm, I'm happy to report that New York City's got some of the better water in the country. I've been some places where the water smells like rotten eggs, and I'm thankful to say that, that you've got decent water here. I, I'm a connoisseur of good water. And you need water and exercise and a good diet if you're going to be healthy. Number eight, what will God do to those who defile their body temples? 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17. You are the temple of God. If any man defiles the temple of God, him shall God destroy. Well, that's pretty clear. Daniel said, I will not defile myself. Did God honor him? God didn't say, Daniel, you're being legalistic. God honored him for that resolution. Furthermore, it says in Exodus 20, verse 13, Thou shalt not kill some people are killing themselves little by little, day by day, with their knife, fork, and spoon. One bite at a time. They're committing suicide. Right? One of the commands says, don't murder, and that includes yourself. Then, of course, we've got the problem with smoking. That's epidemic. The Bible says you should not defile your temple. I remember I used to smoke. Probably one of the hardest things for me to change was giving up cigarettes. And I remember finding that scripture. Where Jesus said, it's not what goes in a man's mouth that defiles him, but it's what comes out. And I remember pastor said, Doug, you need to quit smoking before I baptize you. I said, brother, I'm a Christian. The Lord knows I love him. And the Bible says right here, not what goes in my mouth that defiles me, but it's what comes out of my mouth. And then he notified me my breath was awful since I was smoking. 
So what goes in your mouth does affect what comes out of your mouth. And incidentally, that scripture had nothing to do with smoking or eating food or drinking alcohol. That scripture was in the context of the disciples eating without ceremonially washing their hands. Of course, what goes in your mouth affects what comes out of your mouth. Watch what comes out of a person's mouth after they have a fifth of whiskey. Yeah, all kinds of slurry, ridiculous things. And so, of course, you, what goes in your mouth affects what comes out your mouth when it has to do with diet. It's talking there about eating with uh, ceremonially unwashed hands. Will there be any people in heaven that smoked? Yeah, yeah, I think there will. There will be some people who didn't know better. I told you the man who wrote the song Amazing Grace smoked until the day he died. But back then, doctors recommended tobacco for asthma and breathing disorders. Can you believe that? It's a fact. John Newton, I think he'll be in the kingdom. Tobacco is the second most costly drug addiction in North America. The first is alcohol. And I know that you want to make a fashion statement, and that's one reason some people smoke. They want to look like they're in vogue and, and be beautiful and look intelligent. And so it's real hard to give it up. You will raise your perceived IQ if you quit using tobacco. Whenever you're in doubt about what to do, you know what a simple test is? Say, what would Jesus do? How many of you can picture Jesus walking around preaching with a big old water chewing tobacco in his mouth? Brown juice drooling down the side. In between his parables spitting on the ground. Do you picture Jesus doing that? Or Jesus blowing smoke rings in your face? No. We're supposed to be born again Christians. And one of the characteristics of a Christian is Jesus breaks the shackles that bind us, right? Smoking is an addiction. It's a shackle. And uh, I think it's, it's pathetic that some of these... Uh, Smoking corporations say, no, it's not addicting. We have no evidence that it's addicting. Well, let me tell you, I was addicted, friends, and it was a struggle. Question number nine. Let's get into the foods and the Bible specifications. What mammals does God permit humans to eat? It tells us in Leviticus chapter 11, verse 13, whatsoever parteth the hoof and is cloven-footed and cheweth the cud. Now, God did say that it was permissible for man to eat certain animals. His original plan was a vegetarian diet. After the flood, man began to eat more and more animals because the vegetation had been largely destroyed by the flood. But God said, if you're going to eat animals, make sure it has these two characteristics. Cloven hoof, split hoof, and chew the cud. It needs both characteristics. Just because God makes a provision doesn't mean eating meat is good for you. All you have to do is look at the news lately and you can find out that uh, it gets more and more dangerous to eat meat. Can this meat kill you? There's grave concerns about the E. coli threat. And it's not only problems with the beef. They've got the mad cow disease, and you've heard about that, in Britain. And then they've got, of course, the, now they're talking about mad pig disease. There's a picture of all these pigs that had to be exterminated because they had mad pig disease. I do this for a reaction. Now... That handsome fellow there has very large canine teeth. Some people say, incidentally, in case you didn't notice, I'm sort of pushing for vegetarianism. I'm a vegetarian. The Bible does not say it's a sin to eat clean meat. I need to be honest and tell you what the Bible says. But the Bible does teach God's original plan was a vegetarian diet. And in the kingdom, we will be vegetarians. And I think it's a good idea to just start getting used to that new country we're going to. Some people say, well, Doug, God designed us to eat meat because we've got these canine teeth. That means we're supposed to eat meat. You don't have canine teeth like that, and he's a vegetarian. Matter of fact, the animals that live the longest and the biggest, elephants, gorillas, are vegetarians. And so a lot of people have been fooled with a bunch of false information. 
Now, I know personally, because I used to have my own meat business. It wasn't much, but it was my own humble meat business. There I am wearing a wig. In the back of my Volkswagen, I had a little ice chest, and I had a business called Doug Bachelor's Wholesale Prime Beef Steaks. And I drove around Palm Springs and Desert Hot Springs and the desert cities, and I had customers, and I used to buy sections of beef and butcher it, and I sold filet mignon, New York steaks, T-bones, and the whole shebang. I made sure and I had corn-fed prime steak. I always made sure I did get the best to my customers, and that's why they bought it from me. Sometimes my customers would say, Doug, I know it's not your specialty, but can you get me some prime pork? I said, I'll look into it. No one had asked me that. I went to a friend who was a butcher, and he laughed at me. He said, Doug, the Department of Agriculture does not grade pork that way. They print flyers that tell you to make sure and cook it real good because it's got trichina larvae in it. You want to make sure that you exterminate all that. You know, these trichina larvae, it's a little cyst that it hatches after people eat it. It enters the digestive system through the small intestine. And then they lodge in sometimes the muscle or the joints. And they found one out of five people that they've done autopsies on had evidence of trichina contamination. One out of five people in North America. You'd be surprised how many people out there that are struggling with, they think they've got arthritis and bursitis, they've got hogitis, is what it is. <laughs> Pigs are dirty animals. I'll talk more about that in just a second. Now, the health experts used to say to be healthy, you need to have lots of meat and lots of uh, milk and cheese and you know, the more they're studying, they've changed the equation. Now they say the bulk of what you need to be healthy is your grains and your nuts, your fruits, your vegetables. And up at the top, they put the animal fats and the meats and the dairy products and the oil. You know, I think you will prolong your life if you can cut the top off the pyramid and hang around the bottom there. The fruits, grains, nuts, vegetables. You'll feel much better and you'll live longer and you'll be better able to serve the Lord. Friends, this is the principle. I want to make sure that I'm making it clear. Why does a Christian do anything? Love. Love for God, love for your neighbor, love for yourself. Why do I want to be healthy? Well, because I love God and my body is a tool in His hands and I want it to be useful. If I'm constantly under the weather and dragging around and, and drained and sick, I can't serve God effectively. And so you want to do everything you can to optimize your health because you love God, you want to serve Him, you want to be a servant to your fellow men, and you want to feel better. Out of love for God, for your neighbor, for yourself, you should take care of your body. Amen? Be careful what you eat and drink. Now, what types, number 10, what types of fish and seafood does the Bible tell us are clean? You've got it right there in your lesson. These are the ones you shall eat of all that are in the waters. Whatsoever hath fins and scales, them you shall eat. You know, I understand that the Navy, a few years ago, did a study. And they hired some scientists to do some research. They had sailors that were either stranded in lifeboats or marooned on islands. They needed some rule of thumb so they could know what seafood would be safe to eat without all the books to look at. And after all this money was spent by the government and all this research, you know what they came up with? They came back with their findings. They said, we've discovered that if it has fins and scales, it's probably safe to eat. Isn't that amazing? That's exactly what the Lord said 3,000 years ago. God is smart, isn't he? Some people think anything that God made, he made for us to eat. Keep in mind that some of the creatures God made are scavengers. I understand lobster is almost pure cholesterol. Some people eat lobster and then they have bad dreams, they say. I used to 
catch lobster and spear lobster when I lived with my dad in Miami. You put something dead and decomposing in the wooden trap and the lobsters and the crabs crawl in. They're scavengers. God does not want us eating scavengers. Skunks are scavengers. Dogs are scavengers. Buzzards are scavengers. Skunk gets hit by a car. God designed that something cleans it up. It's a buzzard. Now, God does not want us eating scavengers. The highest insult that you could uh, offer the Lord is back in Bible times, if you were to make an offering to God and say, I brought my sacrifice, I couldn't find a, a lamb, but I've got a skunk. I'd like to offer a skunk for my sins. Now that lamb was a symbol of Christ. Can you see why it was a terrible insult to bring a pig or a skunk into the temple? Oh, that would be the highest insult. It's an abomination. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Some of us are constantly offering God scavengers as an offering. And it's an insult. You are holy. And he wants you to keep those vessels holy. Number 11. What birds are unclean? Now, the rule for the birds is not as clear as it is for the fish and the mammals. For the birds, we do understand that the birds of carrion and the scavengers and the carnivorous birds were all unclean. It says, for every raven after his kind and the owl after his kind and the night hawk and the cacaw and the hawk after his kind, they were unclean. The clean birds were the foraging birds, the pheasant, the quail, technically chicken is a clean bird. If you ever go visit a chicken slaughterhouse, you'll get the victory over that. I did that once. I went to a summer camp and for an excursion, they took us to a chicken slaughterhouse. I thought, why did they do that? And I wasn't even a vegetarian back then. I was a kid. I could never eat chicken again. Incidentally, technically chickens are clean. I just need to be honest with you. Turkey. Swans were unclean. Turkeys were clean. They're foraging birds. Quail. Doves were clean. Pigeons are clean. You'll never starve in Manhattan. Right? <laughs> Technically, but they're dirty here, aren't they? <laughs> Technically, pigeons were clean. They're in the dove category and the quail category. But duck was in the same category as swan and as geese. They are technically unclean. Even though you'll find there are some Jews and rabbis that say, no, no, they're clean. Look it up in the scientific journal. You'll find that swans and ducks are in the same category. Number 12. Are the laws about clean and unclean animals part of the Mosaic ceremonial law which ended at the cross? Some say, Doug, you're putting these Jewish laws on us. These are laws for the Jews. These are Moses' old law. You're going to hear that. Let's see if that's a, a legitimate argument. When God had Noah bring the animals on the ark, everybody thinks they came two by two. And we've got little songs we sing about they came two by two. That's not accurate. You read your Bible, you'll find God said in Genesis 7, verse 1 and 2, Come thou and all of thy house into the ark of every clean beast thou shalt take unto thee by sevens. And of the unclean beasts thou shalt take by the ones that are not clean, by two. Now, after the flood, evidently men started eating more and more animal products. Have you ever considered in the Bible what happened to the lifespan of man following the flood? Take a look at this little chart here and you'll get a, a picture. Seth lived 912 years, Methuselah 969, Noah 950. Their lives up until the flood were measured by just about a millennium. After the flood, Look at the drastic change in their lifespan. It went down 500, 200, 175. What was it? Isaac was 180, Abraham 175. 
Jacob, I think, was 145. Joseph was 110. King David, 70. It dropped drastically. I think there was a connection. They were eating animal products as a regular part of their diet at that point. Some people think, it doesn't matter what I eat. I can eat whatever I want. The Bible says in Galatians 6, verse 7, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, he will reap. If you sow a lot of cholesterol and animal products, you're going to reap a heart attack and green jello in the hospital. Some people think, I can just pray over it and God will bless it. You really believe that? How many of you are parents? Those of you who are parents, would you go for it if your children, before they headed off to school, if uh, they filled a bowl with Fruit Loops and Cocoa Puffs, and they put on 10 teaspoons of sugar and a scoop of ice cream, Rocky Road. And he said, whoa, wait, what are you doing? He said, don't worry, Mom, Dad, I'm getting ready to ask God to bless it. How many of you would accept that argument for breakfast? Oh, you realize that there is a direct correlation between what you eat and how you feel. And if you want them to perform well in school, they need a nutritious breakfast. Amen? Why is it that we think that God doesn't care? Obviously, he does. Number 13. Does God say that the eating of unclean food is a serious offense? Yes, and he specifies some uh, specific foods here. For behold, the Lord will come with fire and with his chariots like a whirlwind to render his anger with fury. They that sanctify themselves, not being sanctified by the Lord, and purify themselves, they're saying we're pure, we're sanctified, while eating swine's flesh. What's a swine? Pig. Swine's flesh and the abomination in the mouse, he's putting rats and mice and pigs in the same category, shall be consumed together, says the Lord. Well, that's a pretty straight passage. It says those that are defiling their body temples by eating these forbidden foods, they will be consumed together. Let's talk about pork again for a minute. I know you want to do this. I, this is from Newsweek, September 6, 1999. One... Uh, a uh, nutritionist said a few years ago, bacon wasn't technically a meat anymore. It didn't belong to any food group at all. It was a salty, nitrate-ridden, fat-laden, carcinogenic thing. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> That's a fitting description. This guy's bringing home the bacon, isn't he? <laughs> and for our friends who are watching in Australia, someone... They like to quote this scripture, 1 Timothy 4.4, 4, For every creature of God is good. Nothing is to be refused if it's received with thanksgiving. Just pray over it. Every creature has been blessed now in the New Testament. That's not what Paul's saying. I hope somebody will write that question down right now, and you give it to Mrs. Batchelor, and we will answer that scripture when you come back on Tuesday. Does that sound fair enough? People have abused that passage terribly. And then they go to the story about Peter in chapter 10 of Acts. This sheet that comes down from heaven. And he's got all these different animals in it. And God says, arise, kill and eat. And there's unclean animals. And you know what Peter says? Not so, Lord. I have never eaten anything common or unclean. Now, wait a second. This takes place about four years after the crucifixion. Peter never heard Jesus say it was okay to eat things that were unclean. Peter says, I still have not ever eaten anything unclean. And he did not do it even though the sheet came down three times. God said, arise and eat. Peter did not take anything out of the sheet. He's wondering, what does this vision mean? God doesn't want me to eat unclean food because I know how clearly he speaks about that other places in his word. What does it mean? It's a symbol. Peter explains the vision himself. 
He tells us in Acts chapter 10, verse 28, God has shown me that I should not call any pig common or unclean. Is that what it says? No. It says not call any man. They were telling them to go to the Gentiles. Don't call the Gentiles unclean. People abuse this passage and try and use it to justify that you can eat anything that crawls across your plate. That's an insult to God. That's not what that vision means. Had nothing to do with that. People think it doesn't matter. It tells us in Genesis chapter 2 verse 17, Thou shalt not eat of it. We are in trouble today because people did not take God at his word. And we began to eat and drink things that the Lord clearly said were forbidden. You know, probably it would be fair for me to spend a little time with you. I expect when you go home tonight, you're not going to have to uh, get the camel steak out of your refrigerator. You know, Jesus, he ridiculed the religious leaders that would strain their water so they didn't get a gnat in it. But then they were eating camel steak. Said, you're hypocrites. You're straining gnats and swallowing the camel because camels were unclean. They chewed the cud, but they did not have a cloven hoof. And he was telling some of the religious leaders, you're not following the word of God because you're still eating camel. Well, you folks probably don't have a problem with that. But, you know, a lot of the world eats pork. And that is a real concern for me because pigs are the most, first of all, they're intelligent animals. I, want to give, I don't want to offend them. They are intelligent. But they are, you know, I've got some neighbors that had pigs, and when they would leave, they'd ask me to take care of their pigs for them. They are really gross. The only thing I can think of to describe pigs is to tell you, they're pigs. They're dirty. Unclean. You know, I understand that uh, a pig can be bit by um, a rattlesnake and survive because their flesh is so dense. And they'll eat rattlesnakes. They'll eat each other. There are children that have been eaten by pigs because they fell into the pig pen. They're scavengers. God does not want you to eat them. Number 14. What is good basic health rule for Christians? 1 Corinthians 9.25 Every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. It's possible for us to be intemperate in even those things that are good. People eat too much of a good thing or they eat things that's so spicy and so hot that it, it scorches their throat as they swallow it. And some things that are not strictly forbidden, you've got to be careful of. You know, some people are addicted to sugar. Incidentally, I heard a story about a man um, found a genie. Genie said, I'll give you three wishes. He said, uh, all right, I'm wishing I could have a beautiful Ferrari. Poof, a Ferrari appeared. Hey, this works. He said, I'd like to have a bank account with a billion dollars in it. Poof. He got a bank book from Switzerland with a billion dollars in it. He thought, this is great. He said, now I want to be irresistible to women. Poof. He turned into a box of chocolates. <laughs> I thought I could get away with sharing that. I've already told you how important it is to keep our minds clear so we can serve God. Question number 15. Are the biblical health principles still practical today? Answer A. Let's go through these quickly. The Bible said that quarantine would help control contagious disease. Answer B. Human body waste should be buried to increase sanitation, to prevent the spread of disease. Answer C. It's necessary to wash the body and, the clo and clothing to control germs. These all come from thousands of years ago. God had this in his word. Answer D. Moral living prevents sexual diseases. We know about that today. God said the same thing in his word. Answer E. Animal fat 
and blood should not be eaten. You know, the New Testament says that too, very clearly. People completely neglect these things that are outlined in the scripture. Answer F, hatred and bitterness is detrimental to one's health. Some people are constantly unhealthy, not because of what they eat so much as what's eating them. They're angry, they're bitter, they're crabby, cantankerous, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Plenty of scripture on that. Answer G, overeating is harmful. Well, we know about that. And, and you know, these sumo wrestlers, uh, they enjoy their brief moment in the sun, but are you aware they have very short lives because of the extremes? Answer H, our bodies need proper rest in order to thrive and be healthy. And answer I, it's important to get plenty of work, exercise, fresh air, sunshine. Answer J, a good attitude is good medicine. You can choose to have a good attitude. Are you aware of that? It's a choice you make to be positive. Answer K, parents' habits will affect the children. Way back in the Bible, it says that both by example and in heredity, children will receive the example of the parents. Number 16. Will people in heaven kill and eat animals? We're getting ready for a world where there's no more death, sorrow, or suffering. It says, there shall be no more death, no more sorrow, no more pain, neither shall they hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountains, says the Lord. God wants us to be healthy and he wants us to thrive. Would you like to be healthy, is the question. No more death, Revelation 21, verse 4. Number 17. How can I make diet and health changes that will please the Lord? What's the answer? They shall take away the detestable things thereof. You might need to take some things, take the camel steak out of your refrigerator. Ezekiel 11, verse 18 through 20. And I will give them one heart, and I will put a new spirit within you, that they may walk in my statutes and keep my ordinances and do them. If you follow the Lord, he promises to take care of you. Now, I'm a grandfather. I'm a grandfather. Would you like to see me do a backhand spring? I have not done one for two years. Would you pray for me? I want to ask a question. The reason I'm doing this, I did it years ago. That's all I'm taking off. I only have a couple of minutes left to do this. Now, I've been a vegetarian for 20 years. 20 years now, I've been a vegetarian. And my children were raised vegetarians, though they did get into the dog food once or twice. I don't know about this. I'm praying a whole lot right now. I did this one time and my feet slipped. So forgive me. <sighs> okay, will anyone here become a vegetarian? Will you attempt, anyone here, attempt to be a vegetarian if I succeed in doing a back handspring? What is the ambulance response time here in New York City? <laughs> I'd like to know. Oh, we've got, P yeah, we may need them. Okay. There was, you know, there was an 18-year-old. Oh. 
I didn't hear anyone say encore, did I? No. Now, the reason I do that, you'll never forget that. You'll forget the whole sermon, but you say, remember that preacher that he did a backflip on stage? People say vegetarians can't be, it's a back handspring. People say vegetarians, and Karen can do one too. Would you like to see? No, she, no, 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 no. She's got high heels, she's got a dress on. People say vegetarians can't be healthy. That is a myth. They, I believe, are healthier. They are stronger. Uh, I can outrun my kids. And so, and I've got some that are 21 and 19 and 23 years old. And so, uh, the idea that once you're a vegetarian, you can't be healthy is a myth, friends. You take care of your bodies and God will make a big difference in your life. Now, some of you are wondering, how can I do this? How can I follow the Lord? How can I make all these changes that you explained tonight, Doug? Day by day, little by little, one step at a time, we follow Jesus. It's progressive. Some of you are going to go home and try and do all this at one time. You ask God for grace to know what the next step is. Amen. And you live with him one moment at a time. Today, are you willing to say, I believe I belong to God. I am his property. And by God's grace, I'm going to implement these changes in him in my life that I might bring glory to him. I want my body to be a temple, a holy temple that he will inhabit. Is that your prayer, friends? I pray that's your desire at home as well. God bless you.